Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 250. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast. Each week, I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I'm bringing you part two of Principal Reboot, a conversation with Jen Schwanke and my Principal Matters mastermind members, Samantha Bartram and Aaron Igo. If you want to go back and listen to episode 249, you get a longer introduction to this conversation. But a few weeks ago, Jen Schwanke, the author of two books by ASCD on principal leadership and the principal of Indian Run Elementary in Dublin, Ohio, and now transitioning to assistant superintendent of Dublin Public Schools, sat in for a conversation about her book that we had been reading in as a mastermind. And Samantha Bartram, who's principal of Coastal Academy High School in Oceanside, California, and Erin Igo, who's assistant principal of Piedmont High School in the San Francisco Bay Area, joined me for this conversation. We had been meeting as a mastermind all semester, along with two other members, Jeff Springer and Yolanda Dawson, both from Texas. And we had been discussing Jen's book when Jen circled into this conversation with two of my members who were available to ask her questions and then later to jump into some pointed feedback about their own ideas and dreams of work that they do in their own leadership. I just want to invite you to pause for this conversation by imagining that you're sitting in a room with friends. Pull up a chair And just enjoy some intimate feedback first as I jump into the middle of a conversation that Jen and Samantha and Aaron are having about women in leadership. And then a conversation we have about imposter syndromes. And then later into a conversation where Jen speaks directly to Samantha and Aaron's own ideas and dreams about their future and career goals. And then finally, just some feedback that that all of those members give as they think about uh, the summer and wrapping up that conversation with Jen. So I hope that you can enjoy listening to this conversation because I really believe that it applies lessons to every leader, which is my favorite part of facilitating conversations like this. So thank you for the hard work that you do in school leadership. If you're listening to this at the time of its recording in the summer, I hope you're taking time this summer to rejuvenate, to recharge for the days ahead because you sure deserve it. If you want any feedback from me, or you want to access my resources, or if you have questions about any of the offerings that I have through the mastermind or through my presentations or through my books, you can always find them at my website at williamdparker.com, or you can reach out to me by email at will at williamdparker.com. Thanks, and I hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. having a very interesting experience you guys because um i think in in my career um it it seems like i did not feel my whole life nor did i feel as a teacher that my um being a female mattered but it's like the higher i go up in administration it's like the more it becomes a thing and then i'm seeing for the first time you know just those microaggressions that um really bother me you know interruptions or talking over or dis or or discarding the the thinking um so it's none of this is negative it's just my own personal lens being changed by who i am and so i share that with you sam because um you've probably experienced it too and will i think that you are the antithesis of someone who would put keep anyone down you've always lifted others up but not everybody's like that 
You know, Jen, I think um, I can relate though. I think sometimes um, those of us who are super critical of ourselves or perfectionists or want to do well, um, I shared an email one of my teachers sent to my superintendent about me. Um, and it caught me very off guard because it was super positive. And I started like saying, oh, did, did I like, you know, cause harm to our relationship? Like right. what might cause him to say all these nice things about me? And I didn't really consider the fact that, oh, well, maybe all these things are like really true. And so I think it can be really easy, just like in your case to think of, well, maybe this has to do with something other than my greatness. Right. When really, right. no, 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 you're just qualified for the position. Right. And I think that's a unique thing. Um, and, and Will, you can yeah. maybe tell me if I'm off guard or, or off track on this, but I think it's very uniquely um, female to question ourselves all the time, all the time. Um, I was going into a meeting recently and I said, oh, I don't feel like I dress right in my hair and it's kind of a mess today. And a mentor of mine stopped. She said, a man would never say that out loud. They, even if they think it, they would never be like, I don't look right. I don't feel right. I'm off. They would go in and they would do it. And so there's that component too, where we're like, well, it can't be real. Like somebody must, there must be an ulterior motive for somebody to be really complimentary of me. <laughs> totally. Oh, I have so many thoughts about that. So I'll just, you know me, I'll save my thoughts. Uh, two things. Number one, um, I think one thing we share in common is um, something I've heard other people call the imposter syndrome, whereas, you know, where each of us often has expertise or capacity to do things that other people ask us to step in and help with because maybe we're good at things, but we tend to be our worst critics because so often, just like in your situation, Jen, where you're asked to step in and take a new role or Samantha, where you were given such a complimentary email from a staff member, I think, um, and I think I'm the same way. I think each of us looks at our position sometimes and wonders, looks over our shoulder, like who who's supposed to be doing this? Because certainly I'm not qualified um, to, to make these kinds of decisions. But then the second thing is that self-awareness that you may have, Jen, that I don't, because you're right, I wouldn't step into a meeting worried about my hair um, or my clothes. Mm -hmm. But I also think that that self-awareness often makes you more aware of others too. And so I, what I found is my inability sometimes to see, I mean, I have to work really hard to see beyond myself. And, um, and where I found like, in, for, I'll just give you an example in my relationship with my wife, when she was an educator, she would often see the small things about kids that I completely would miss. And so sometimes those small, so, so sometimes that attention to detail, even though sometimes it could be critical to self can be really helpful in relationships to others. Um, by the way, the reason I'm sitting up here is that Oklahoma is under like a storm watch. So there's been like torrential rain going on and thunder and and so um, I, I, I came home from my office so I could have this conversation without being in a tornado at school. So um, here we are. Aaron, I think you're on, on your other um, device if you want to unmute it so we can hear you. Tornadoes? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there is, I try and take, I want to take a picture of this billboard, but I'm driving to work and I'm, it, I'm like going 70. And every time I see it, I'm like, it's a Ohio billboard trying to get us to move to Ohio so we can be at home more than in our cars. There's a, it's um, and then I think of you actually every time. So I think, uh, yeah, Ohio went out and did this aggressive marketing campaign to try to get professionals, um, educated professional people to come and, you know, build up our economy. And I'm telling you, they're coming like the housing market here is the housing market crazy everywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, it is crazy because Californians are moving there. Correct. I mean, and, you guys, people politics too. 
<laughs> well, that might be a good thing. <laughs> um, the, the houses, I mean, people are getting 40, 50, 60,000 above asking prices and the houses are on the market for literally 12 hours. It's, it's mm-hmm. crazy around here. I'm so glad I'm not looking to move, but, um, I did hear that Ohio was going out and, and actively seeking, uh, people to move here. And I'll tell you, Aaron, we don't have tornadoes, nor do we have earthquakes, nor do we have, um, tsunamis or floods. It's a lovely place to live. If you're looking to relocate. It is. And you guys have beautiful, I've only been in Columbus when I've been up there, Jen, and just what a beautiful city. I was like so impressed, but I had the same conversation with like my Uber driver said he had put his house on the market, sold it. And this was before the pandemic. So the market was already crazy. He said he sold it and couldn't find a place to move. So he had right. to go into an apartment because he couldn't even find a house right. that, he could, right. that he could move into after he sold his. But full disclosure, November to April is, is soul shrink, soul shrinking. It's horrible. So Think oh, of, think yeah. that through before you come. Okay. No. Yeah. No, it's well, it's gray. It's gray. Like we are, we have more cloudy days than Seattle does. Nobody knows that. It's just cloudy and gray and brown. It's just brown. We used to get a lot of lovely snow, but um, something in the environment changed. But hmm. to circle back, I want to say one more thing about that imposter syndrome. I wish that we could take all principles, and I wish we could say, "Here's what you're going to do." When you get a nice email, you're going to read it 100 times. And when you get a mean email, you're going to read it once because we do the opposite, right? We get the nice email, we skim it and we're like, okay, that's really nice, but they probably don't mean it. And then we get the nasty email and we read every comma. We read every period. We read every, and we're, and we scrutinize it. I did not do that. Or this isn't quite accurate. So we, we need to flip that. And we need to read the nice emails, Sam, you know, and, and read it over and over and say, see, that's true. That's, that's me. <laughs> I once interviewed for an AP position. Uh, um, I always ask for feedback when I don't get the job. And, and uh, one of the like feedback was my, and. Um, was your what that you muted out? My, my clothing. Oh, it was like a female thought that I had a shirt on that like, I didn't have buttoned up all the way here. It was like here. And, and I'm like, really, (laughs) you know, and it was, it wasn't inappropriate at all, but like, it's interesting to get that feedback, you know, and, um, and that was given to me, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it should have been given to me, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, but I laughed and so did he, but right. You were given that feedback from a male administrator? From, it was the HR person and I had them. And so uh, I just asked him like, that's interesting. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. But thanks. You know, I just had a, this week I had a fascinating conversation with a woman who's just been hired in our district and she's an African-American woman. And she said, it's so hard because she's gotten feedback that her hair is too big or that her Afro is not appropriate or whatever. And we started talking that launched a conversation about women. And we always worry about what to wear. Like, is it the right color? Is it the right look? Is it the right dress? So, um, you know, then we started talking about being natural and, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we could all just be natural and go with our judgment. But, um, you know, there's, there's Facebook posts and PLCs on, on for principles. And the women are the ones that are like, what shoes do you wear? What color should I wear for this interview? What dress is this outfit or this outfit? And you never see the men. And that is not an indication that, um, there's any problem with the way men do it. As a matter of fact, I think that women could learn from it, but Aaron, to your point, you can go in feeling like, you know, I look like a million bucks. And then somebody can say, well, no, 
Sorry. Now my question to you, Aaron, is, is that an excuse? Is that an easy out? Because they didn't want you for other reasons, but they can make you feel small or make you feel as though the choices you made, which is a tiny choice, by the way, the important choice is, do you suspend the student when he punches another kid in the face before the basketball game? That's the important decisions. But to imply that your decision about whether your, your shirt is buttoned up another inch diminishes the intellectual capacity that you might have to bring to this district. And it's incredibly demoralizing to have, to have pointed that out as a reason you didn't get the job. And I know like from a female perspective, I just took that as you um, are insecure and, and that's, that's your issue. And you were triggered in some way. And the way I present um, because I've done that too. I've, been triggered by something and think that that female is like, and it's not, it's about me. And so I'm just like, okay, that's her problem. (laughs) And that's not really a school I want to work at anyway. That's how my teachers are. So. Well, and I'll just say on behalf of any male administrators that would ever consider saying that to someone that that's really stupid. (laughs) Yeah. I just can't even imagine having a conversation with someone to reflect on an interview Mm-hmm. and talking about anything but the merits of the interview. That's just, that's mm-hmm. just so inappropriate. So I'm glad you cool. didn't work there either. Aaron. Yeah, I, me too. But I, I wanted to just transition this part of the conversation into something that we talked about in our mastermind a few weeks ago, Samantha and Aaron, specifically, I want to talk about um, some conversations I had with you guys, and I hope you don't mind me um, asking Jen to step in. But as we've shared our own passions and dreams, Jen, uh, Samantha and Aaron have also shared some of the things that they would love to see happening in their career five and, and 10 years from now. And so um, just to give you a quick summary, you know, Samantha, you've talked a lot about school growth, but you've talked about the possibility of someday possibly teaching ed classes, possibly um, looking at um you know, writing or publishing. And Aaron, you've talked about those same things in your work, the, the, the desire to be able to, um, to speak through your experience through either through writing or publishing, or even being able to at some point transition and work to being able to, to work wherever you choose in the field of education. And so I know when, when people that are in this field, like we are in education, are grappling with the, the present position that I have and where I want to be five or 10 years from now, so often we, um, you know, the, the the tension, Jen, is like what suggestions are best for people when they're in that crux of like trying to decide the next thing. And so um, Samantha or Aaron, feel free to jump in and clarify this question. But the question that I, I really wanted to probe with you, Jen, is as you talk to other education leaders that are thinking about their own leadership, but then that next thing, what are some some thoughts they should keep in mind when they're when they're in the present, but they're also thinking about what's next. Okay. I have very strong feelings about this. Are you sure you want to go there? That's why (laughs) we're going there. Well, here's the thing. I have talked to principals all over this country and many times they say to me, how did you write a book? How, how did you start podcasting? How do you teach university classes? And my answer is very clear. I did not wait for it to come to me. I went out and I found it. And I think it's crucial. I think, you know, we're this to be a principal, it it wears you down. Right. And so I, it's not that I have a lot of extra energy so that I can do these things. It's that to me, there was a hole. 
I, I felt like I went into work every day and I worked for other people and I wanted a piece of me to work for myself too. And I wanted to be able to share my ideas and be more than just a principal. And that is not, please just, just to be very clear, it is not meant to insult anyone who doesn't do other things too. It's fine. But for me, I just needed other things. I, I thought, you know what, I'm a, I'm a writer. I can, I can write about this. And so I went out and I reached out to ASCD and I put in a proposal and uh, went from there. And then, you know, Will, you and I connected, I, I don't even know if it was on Twitter first, and then we start, struck up a, a networked relationship and, and it led to podcasting. And I, there was a, um, a program at Miami University of Ohio, and I thought, I want to teach there. And I went out and I found somebody who would listen to me and, and take me on. So, it, you know, sometimes you can feel as principals, we're such pleasers, right? We want everyone to know that we're the mediator. We're not going to go too far this way or do that way. We're going to figure it out. And so it's hard for us to say, you know what, I'm going to stick my neck out and I'm going to see what other holes need filled in my professional world. So I encourage people, if there's something you want to do, go find a way to do it. Don't wait for it to come to you. Everybody always assumes the principal's okay. You know, principals is good. Nobody, nobody's going to say, you know what? Sam might really want a different opportunity. Let's ask Erin. She might want to do it. They won't come to you. You have to go to them. Wow, Jen, there's so much there that we could unpack. And you know me, I love to, to analyze, but but because there's so many of us in the room, I'm going to, I'm going to stop myself from doing that. And Jen um, or Erin and Sam, I want to give you guys an opportunity to reflect and respond to Jen and ask her questions. Okay. Um, well, to piggyback on kind of what you shared about writing, um, it's one of those things where I continue to get the same feedback from people sometimes like I have this, I think it's a gift in any circumstance, no matter how bad I always can find the silver lining and maybe it's just I try to keep my my glass half full. So as the pandemic has been going along, um, I, I've been keeping just notes on my iPhone of like significant moments in my leadership stories, funny moments, devastating moments, and then like the, the silver lining. And so I have this, this thought of a book, like principling through a pandemic where like, I, I tell leadership stories with all of these different silver linings, like short little stories. But I guess my question is at what point, like, do you write the book and then start looking, look into like what it takes to do that? Like you mentioned getting a proposal, like what is the timeline for all of that? Great question. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick apart a few things that you said. First of all, it's really complicated for, to write specific stories about um, students and parents and community, right? Because you have to be careful to honor other people's privacy. And so what I would encourage you to do about those stories is focus on the silver lining part, because I think that's a, that's a really powerful entry point into the story. And um, so there, there might be your idea, you know, the silver lining principle or um, finding, finding the best in um, leadership challenges, something like that. I'm not proposing titles. I'm more proposing concepts there. Um, and so you, I have learned along the way that um, fiction and um, biographies, those types of things, those books need written, and then you try to sell them. In educational writing, you, you need the idea and you sell it, then you write. Now, that isn't necessarily true for all publishers, but it's kind of a relief, right? Because who wants to pour hours and hours and years into writing a book and then have nobody want it? So what I would encourage, first of all, is start out with some articles. Look around your state and see if your professional organization has a publication where you could um, submit some articles. Look for some online, online newsletters. Usually they'll have a place within their website that says submit a proposal or write for us or 
article call or call for articles or whatever. And once you write an article of 1500 or 2,500 words does two things. First of all, get your name out there. Second of all, it builds your confidence. And so those smaller articles or those smaller publications will help you um, get a name for yourself and also see how the process works. In that case too, you may connect with an editor or with someone who knows and likes the things you have to say. So to me, don't necessarily jump into the ocean, find a pond and jump in there first and see if you like it. Um, I have had people before who said, oh my God, you wrote a book. I want to write a book. And I'm like, okay, we'll sit down and write an article to propose to, to send maybe to a literacy publication. And they come back to me six months later and they say, I can't start. It's horrible. I hate it. I don't want to do it. Okay. Well then that's not your thing. So look at something else. So, um, there's a lot I just said there, but I think if, if you have that passion and if you're like, dang, now that I have some things to say, then writing is certainly a way to do it. That's, those are such great takeaways. Erin, let me give you an opportunity to reflect and ask Jen questions too. For me, it's like all about perspective and, and, um, I, I don't think I'm unique, but, um, I'm a mother of this generation of this, you know, generation Z. Um, I have been an educator. This is my 21st year. I feel like I've been in high school my whole life. And I really do remember being a teenage girl. I don't know how, but I do. Um, and that's how I operate in the school. Um, and where I find incredible energy and, um, I'm full is at when I'm helping a student or a parent coaching, mentoring, helping them make those connections so they can be better next time. You know, that's all that we can do. Um, or a teacher mentoring a teacher or planning things to make things better, that kind of thing. For me, the, the, the writing piece, I'd love to write giving my voice and, and something Will said once on one of his podcasts was if you have knowledge, it's your moral obligation to share it. And I have a lot. Um, and I just don't know how to, how to share that because mine is getting that idea and, and just focusing on one thing because there's so much, I guess I just, I'm just not sort of sure where to start, but my, my kind of thinking is more, I love taking photos and I love hearing people's stories and I'm living them here. Um, and I'd love the world to know what really is going on in schools from all the perspectives and using photos and words. But I also would love to, you know, I've always just wanted to help people and make an impact and be at the table. And I feel like I am here. And I also feel like I can't do that as much as I want to. So in the future, where can I go with that? I don't know. Um, right now I'm learning, you know, I'm always learning and trying to um, make things happen here first. And I think that's part of my problem is, is then I just keep going. So Erin, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to take a real risk here and tell you what yeah. I think I heard you just say. I think I heard you just say you are an artist in a profession that doesn't promote or value artistry <laughs> as a leadership tactic. We are in a profession where, oh, look it up the policy, look up the procedure. What's it say? Well, okay, well, he's been suspended once for three days. So next time it's five. You know, artists don't think that way. We think, well, wait, what's the story? And what's the what's the workaround? And how can we take this mess and make it beautiful? That's how artists think. And so um, again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I hear you saying, I want to take this mess inside my head and inside my professional experiences, and I want to make it beautiful. 
And to me, it kind of, it kind of gave me shivers when you were talking. Cause I'm imagining, I'm like, it just started dreaming for you. And <laughs> I dreamed of a, of a digital platform in which image images of um, not students faces, of course, but of the things they do of their hands, of their, um, of their books, of the way they move through the halls, um, just, um, alongside things they say, um, beautiful words that come out of their mouths, their perspective, you know, when, when there's, they go in the cafeteria and there's chicken nuggets for the 450th time in a row, what do they say? How do they feel? And how, where's the art in that? And, exactly. and I, yeah, so I, I think there's something there, Aaron, and, and principals and assistant principals, especially God love you. It, it's exhaust you, you know, you go home and there's no room left for art or creativity in your mind. And, so you have to make sure you cling to that and, and think in your mind, how can, how can this part of me come to life and maybe encourage other principals to, to bring out their artists, because it is an art form to work with teenagers and um, it should be shared with the world. And just because a lot of school leaders are still operating under standards and expectations that were established in the fifties and sixties and seventies, doesn't mean that you need to, and it takes courage and bravery, but, but there's something there. I can, I can feel it even through zoom and across the coast. So um, I don't have your idea for you, but I'm telling you, you, you can be an artist in this profession and, and you'll have to, you'll have to see where that takes you. I've never heard it that way. That really helps. It's took, yeah. you, you got it. And Jeff could attest to some of my photographs that I've, I, I've sent that are like from a down here, like how would a right? How would a bug see this? It's really weird, but like that's how I walk through the world. Um, and so I bring that into my everyday, and it helps right. me. But I'd like other people to so, right. So I'm going to, and I know we're running out of time, but I just want to tell you when you said you remember being a teenage girl, I remember too acutely. And I remember getting on the bus at the end of the day and I was always hungry and I would sit on the bus and I would crouch in the corner and I was 45 minutes a bus ride from home and I would pack Twizzlers, which I wasn't allowed to have. And I would eat the Twizzlers sitting in the corner of the bus. So I'm imagining a picture, Aaron, where there's a student on the bus and what, what does that student see? Is it fields? Is it traffic? Is it stoplights? Are they hungry? Are they tired? Are they excited? Are they lonely? And so that photograph next to it is what that student might be thinking as they ride home. And, you know, there's a million other images that could happen. And to capture the words to go alongside it tells a really powerful story about what it's like to be a student. And as the assistant principal, you have the access to those stories. And you have the perspective as the adult helping, as the adult helping the, the student navigate through this really hard time in life. <laughs> Thank you. But Aaron and Sam, I just want to reflect back some things that Jen said too, that, and, and this is for any Principal Matters listeners, if you're not taking opportunities to cultivate those passion areas in your life outside of school leadership, you will not be inspired to be school leaders. And, and so one of the reasons I started blogging and writing and podcasting was because there was a latent passion of mine. I loved to write. I was a writing teacher before I stepped into admin, but that had gone dormant in my life. And I finally just decided I can't let this thing die. And the only way I knew to cultivate it was to marry the two and to begin to just write about my own school leadership experience. And, and what I found was new perspective on my school leadership. And of course, you guys know the rest of my story because we're friends. Well, Jen, I know you're wrapping up a long day and tomorrow's your last day of school. But Samantha, Aaron, any parting words you want to say to Jen? Any parting words, Jen, you want to say to listeners before we say goodbye? 
Jen, I just wanted to say that reading your book kind of came at the perfect time for me this semester. Um, on one hand, it was incredibly relevant and applicable to, to COVID crazy. That's what I call it. But on the other more important hand, it reminded me of who I was as a principal pre-COVID. And I started reading it. I'm like, oh, yeah, leadership and, and, all, and PLC work and collaboration. And I, it started sparking interest on, on goals I have for next year. And I started, uh, on one hand, the perfectionist was like, oh, I want to do all of this right now. But then I was like, oh, slow down, Samantha. You're in the middle of a pandemic. Let's put a note there and, and make a note for August. So I just wanted to say it was a breath of fresh air when I needed it most. Oh, thank you. That means so much. That See, that March 17th drop date wasn't so bad. Thank you. <laughs> well, I just want to say, I won't comment on the book. I definitely concur. Um, and I listened to... Um, your podcast with Will and I've listened to it evolve. And, um, I will just from just now, you definitely have a gift that, that I know being, I, it was hard for me to leave the classroom, but I knew it was the right thing and, and it's bittersweet, but you're moving forward. And, and I have created a way to, um, do this job. That is exactly how, what I loved as a teacher and that's the only way I could do it. And you'll do the same. And um, I just am so thankful for what you just said. So well, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Like that inner artist, Aaron and um, Samantha, so exciting that your, your school is getting up to 900 and um, who knows, maybe there will be another school of another 900 and you'll be in charge of it all. Who knows? Tell you, tell your boss how fabulous you are and oh, don't knows. worry about Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everyone. I'm going to bust across the parking lot and watch the Dublin Diamondbacks play baseball. And um, Jack Schwanke will hopefully make contact tonight. So, well, Jen Schwanke, thank, thank you for you. doing what matters. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye, Jen. Thank you. You can find other free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com.